You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Just as a person who is physically dead does not have the capacity to respond to physical stimuli. The person who's dead and is in the grave, he can't hear any longer. He can't see. He's not going to declare that he's hungry. He's not going to suggest that he feels any kind of a pain. And so in the same way, a person who is spiritually dead is unable to respond to spiritual things. So just think of it in that way. He cannot function till God gives him life. You don't expect something dead to be able to move or talk. When someone or something passes away, the ability to respond to the world around them also stops. And while you can see this in the physical world, it's also true in the spiritual realm. Today, Pastor Mike explains that on your own, you can't respond to God. The ways you've missed the mark of perfection have deadened your spirit. You need the Lord to bring you back to life so that you can listen to His voice and live the life He created you to have. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 as he begins his message, Out of the Graveyard. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and that's where we left off last time. The title is, Out of the Graveyard. Out of the Graveyard. So with that said, let's go ahead and read that text of Scripture. And you, that would be you, that would be me, he has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And this is interesting. You know, I want you to know that there is a difference between trespasses and sins. Uh, that which actually prevented us from knowing God, from serving God, walking with God, understanding the things of God or spiritual things. So in, in a moment, I'll break that down for you. I'll, I'll share what the differences are between trespasses and sin. And then in verse 2, in which you once walked, notice, all of us at one time or another, which you once walked according to the course of, of this world, that is popular opinion, the mores of our society, subscribing to those things, according to the prince of the power of the air, who is Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, or more accurately, everyone else. So once again, this message, the title is, Out of 
the graveyard. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to mention this. You know, I could have given this message a bunch of different titles. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce, who is the uh, pastor uh, a while ago of the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who happens to be one of my, my favorite uh, commentators, addressing this particular text of Scripture in his commentary on the book of Ephesians, titled it, The Way We Were. Do you remember, now I'm going back a little ways here, but I think it was probably either in the late 60s or early 70s, there was actually a movie that starred Robert Redford and Barbara Streisand. The title of, uh, of it was The Way We Were. And it was sort of a nostalgic look of their lives, you know, and how that they met, they fell in love, and, but certain things, you know, kind of stood in the way and they went their own way as one went into politics. And, and then they finally meet at the end and, and uh, there's some regrets that they never got together and became husband and wife. But it was a great movie. If you ever get a chance to, to see it, maybe it's on Netflix or something, I don't know. But uh, it's a really good movie. But basically, you know, when we talk about the way we were, we usually perceive that in a nostalgic kind of a way. You know, looking back on the good days, the good times. And, and uh, you know, we look fondly back upon the good days, the good times, who we were. And uh, sometimes we even desire for those uh, old days, those good days. Well, this is not what this message is all about. You know, Paul reminds us of the old days and how horrific it was. And because of the things that we participated in, we were alienated from God. We didn't know God. We didn't have the capacity to be able to serve the Lord. Nevertheless, I know him. And therefore, we found ourselves in this terrible condition that is described for us here in verses 1 through 3. So I just wanted to mention that up front uh, to help you to know where Paul is going with these exhortations. Now, to begin, let's back up a little bit. Paul, remember, Paul devoted the first chapter of his epistle describing for us our spiritual possessions in Christ, the, the gifts that God the Father has made available to his kids, and that's who we are, in Christ. What were some of those gifts? What were some of those spiritual uh, possessions? Well, how that we were chosen, and all of this is addressed in chapter 1, broken down for you in our previous messages, so if you haven't been around, make sure you, you can listen to them online. How that we've been chosen, how that we've been adopted, how that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, how that we've been accepted in the Beloved that is in, in Christ, how that we've been empowered by the Spirit. And uh, so just so, those are just some of the few gifts, right? and possessions that God the Father has made available to us through God the Son. So that's what chapter 1 was all about. Whereas Paul, here in chapter 2, turns to a complementary truth and begins to tell us of our spiritual position in Christ. And first he describes for us what God has done for all sinners in general, and Paul addresses that in verses 1 through 10, of chapter 2. So here's a, just a quick, brief outline uh, for you of chapter 2. And then he goes on and explains what God did for the Gentiles, in particular, verses 11 through 22. So I've just given you a basic, you know, brief outline of chapter 2. You see, the sinner who trusts Christ has been raised and seated on the throne. You know, think of it this way. We are taken out of the graveyard of sin and placed into the throne room of glory. And that would actually be a good way 
of thinking about what Paul is trying to tell us here. Now, to fully appreciate what God has done in our lives, let's consider what we were before we came to Christ. And let's consider, and this brings us to our first point, if you're taking notes, write this down, and that is sin's work against us. Let's talk about sin's work against us. And so under this heading, the terrible spiritual condition that is of the unsaved person. Okay, what's the first characteristic? The first condition of the unsaved person, according to our text there in verse 1, is that he or she is dead. Now, what are we talking about? Well, this death here, notice what it says in verse 1, and you he has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. So he's inferring here that at one time, before coming to Christ, this is a picture in contrast, what we were uh, before Christ and now what we've become in Christ. Before Christ, we were dead. Now, what does that suggest to us? Well, this death here in verse 1 refers to a spiritual death. That is, that person is unable to understand and appreciate spiritual things. You know, Paul put it this way, and I always remind you about this. I, I often quote this very familiar text of Scripture to you. The natural man or woman cannot discern the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. And that's the very reason why we need to be born again of the Spirit of God. So that person, right, this death, suggests that that person cannot live in relationship to spiritual things. I mean, go back to your B.C. days, if you will, before Christ, before your conversion experience. You didn't have any inclination for the things of God. You weren't concerned about the things of God or spiritual things, right? You just went your own way. You determined your own laws. You know, you were driven by your own desires and passions. We'll talk some more about that in a moment. So that person who is dead in their trespasses and sin, verse 1, that person possesses no spiritual life whatsoever and does not have the capacity to even please God. Just as a person who is physically dead does not have the capacity to respond to physical stimuli. The person who's dead and is in the grave, he can't hear any longer. He can't see. He's not going to declare that he's hungry. He's not going to suggest that he feels any kind of a pain. And so in the same way, a person who is spiritually dead is unable to respond to spiritual things. So just think of it in that way. He cannot function until God gives him life. You know, Jesus put it this way. Here's a cross-reference for you. From Matthew's Gospel in chapter 13, in verse 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables, and we were talking about this, that at a certain time Jesus had resorted to sharing spiritual truths through telling of relatable, interesting stories. And the reason for, known as the parables, and the reason for that was that the people at that time had become dull in their hearing, in their capacity to be able to receive the teaching as it related to spiritual things. So therefore, Jesus resorted to telling these interesting stories, these parables, and contained within these stories were these spiritual truths. And so that's what the reference to is here in verse 13. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, this is the awful condition that they were in, this was the same condition that all of us were in before our conversion experience. Seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear. 
nor do they understand. They're dead in their trespasses and sin. Now notice the causes of the spiritual death, let's go back to verse 1, is, first of all, their trespasses. Okay, so what is trespasses? What is Paul referring to here when he used the word trespasses? Well, literally, it can be translated willful disobedience. And this is a little bit different from sin, and I'll contrast that for you in just a moment. The trespasses or the willful disobedience is when a person knows better, and nevertheless, he does it anyway. So it would be like, for example, you know, those of us who are acquainted with the scriptures and what God expects of us, and just ignoring them completely, and then just, you know, going and then just going ahead and, and fulfilling our own desires and the lusts of our flesh. Even know what we what we are doing is absolutely wrong. That's trespasses. Okay? And so that, first of all, leads to our uh, being dead. And then secondly, it's sin. Now, the word sin, our English word sin, comes from a Greek word. The Greek word is harmatia. And uh, there's a prefix added to it. The word martyr is literally translated from the Greek word martis, and it means a witness. And so that would be a great definition of what a martyr is. He's a witness unto God. So the prefix is added to it, harmartia, and it would suggest not a witness. The word sin literally means falling or missing the mark, falling short of or missing the mark, okay? You know, there are just times when, uh, you know, we fail to measure up to God's standards for whatever reason. It might be, uh, you know, a flaw in our character or our personality or you know, some reoccurring sin that up until the present time we've been unable to overcome. We've sinned. We've fallen short of the, the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So those are the two words that Paul uses here that would suggest to us that this is the cause of a man or a woman's spiritual uh, death. Just think of it this way. It's an inward element that produces certain acts that are antagonistic towards God's laws. Remember there in the Garden of Eden, again, we're, we're addressing the subject of what this word death, he's dead, what is Paul referring to here? And I'd like to bring you back, if I may, to the uh, book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And remember there in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 2, in verses 16 and 17, after God had created the physical universe and then placed the first man, the first woman, in the Garden of Eden, it was all perfect. It was all theirs to enjoy. He told them to subdue all of the earth. All of that was created for man for the benefit and the blessing of mankind. He just laid one restriction upon them, right? You can eat of any of the trees in the Garden of Eden with the exception of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he goes on to declare, and the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. Now, you know how the story goes. In fact, right? Uh, the devil came in, tempted Eve. Uh, she gave way to it, enticed her, her husband to do likewise. They both ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But did they die physically? No. So therefore, God said to Adam and Eve, and the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. So what was he talking about? Was he talking about a physical death? No, obviously not. He was talking about a spiritual death. You see, in the Bible, often the word death 
simply means separation, and it refers to a spiritual separation from God. Again, the idea is spiritual death. And so, therefore, the unbeliever is not sick, he's dead. He doesn't need resuscitation. What does he need? He needs a resurrection. You see, that's the difference between the two. So therefore, all lost sinners are dead. And the only difference between one sinner and another is the state of their decay. You see, one sinner may enjoy certain advantages over another sinner. For example, one sinner might be rich. One sinner might be extremely educated. One sinner might hold a very high position within their community. But it doesn't matter whether you're a downer, outer, or a corporate executive. Both of those individuals are dead in their sin. One corpse, think about it, one corpse cannot be more dead than another. You, you know, you lay them side by side, they're both dead. One isn't more dead than the other, right? So does that make any sense? So this means then that our world is one vast graveyard filled with people who are dead while they live. They're decaying corpses walking around. They might as well be zombies. It's, listen, it's something right out of a horror movie. And listen, let me also add that these guys don't need a costume to go trick-or-treating on Halloween. Really, I mean, think about it. Uh, now, that's a little grotesque, I know. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't help it, but I went for it. But isn't that what the scriptures teach? Like, for example, in 1 Timothy, in chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, he or she that lives in pleasure and sin is dead while they live. So therefore, he's dead. So that's the first characteristic. That's who we were. We were absolutely dead in our trespasses and sin, alienated from God. Now let's go on in our study. Another characteristic, let's go back to our text, of the unsaved person is he is disobedient. Let's go back and read verses 2 and the first part of verse 3 once again. In which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. So, the second characteristic of the unsaved person is that they are disobedient. You see, disobedience, think about it this way, is the beginning of man's spiritual death. Okay, let's go back to the Garden of Eden for a moment to make this point. Remember, Satan came along and he was tempting Eve. And uh, he began to contradict what God had said to the woman. No, God, you don't understand. God really didn't say that. And uh, he didn't really mean that if you eat thereof, you surely die. And then he went even as far as to suggest, you know, that God was unfair and uh, that God was withholding some good thing from you because he knew that in the day you eat thereof, you shall become like him, right? And by the way, this is just simply one of the ploys of the, the devil. You know, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians that we're not ignorant of the devices of the devil, and that's one of the ways that he goes about to deceive you, is he takes the word of God and perverts it. He'll add something to it. He'll subtract something from it, right? He twists it. It has enough 
in it to be respectable. He tries to pervert the word of God, bring doubt into the believer's mind concerning what God had said. And because they believed this lie, that is Adam and Eve, right, and disobeyed, they experienced an immediate spiritual death. And therefore, they were driven out of the Garden of Eden. And listen, since that time, mankind, likewise, has chosen to live in disobedience unto God. Isn't that true? Now, now there are three forces that encourage man in their disobedience. Write these down. And you know, I'm, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know. The world. Secondly, the devil. And thirdly, lastly, the flesh. Okay, so let's take them in that order. First of all, the world. Let's talk about the world and how that force encourages us to disobey the Lord. The world, or more accurately, the world system. Notice there in verse 2. Go back to verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. Do you see that? Okay, so how does that work? Well, the world in which we live, the world system, puts pressure upon each person to try to get them to conform. To conform to what? To popular opinion. To the mores of the society in which we live that are totally contradicting God's laws. And that's the reason why in the book of Romans, in chapter 12, in verse uh, 2, Paul writes there, and do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how is our mind renewed? It's through the word of God. Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the many voices out there? The Oprah's, the Dr. Phil's, all of these supposedly intellects? Or are you going to rather appeal to the word of God? Right? And so that's the reason why Paul says, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye rather transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is how it works. Whatever you put in is what you get out, right? So we need to spend time regularly in the Word, and it'll just dramatically change your worldview. You'll have a Christian worldview, which is so very, very important. So the world system makes you feel like you're an oddball, right? If you don't know God's word and what God's word tells us, and there's nothing that you'll ever experience in your life's experience that God's word doesn't address. Whatever you're going through, if you have any kind of a question about your life's experience, appeal to the word. Uh, you'll find something in the word that speaks directly to your particular situation. And you could be absolutely sure about that. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my heart. As we study the book of Ephesians together, we pray it has encouraged you to restore relationships. Unity can be such a hard task to accomplish, but as the Apostle Paul wrote, Unity binds us together in Jesus. If there's someone in your life that you need to reach out to today, know we are praying both for you and for them. 
You've been listening to In My Father's House, and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. To listen to today's message again, or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday evening so everyone has the chance to attend, even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that was harvestnyc.org. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening in today. Join us again next time for more, right here on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled.